I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The blues are deep and gritty. This music is so potent that it soaks into the soil wherever it's played. And that's certainly true here in Nashville. Some legendary blues artists have played here, lived here, and helped build the musical character of our city. But with so many genres popping up, who is listening to the blues these days? And who's playing the blues? Who's keeping the tradition of the blues alive? That's coming up later this hour. But first, some breaking news this morning. Mayor John Cooper announced that he will not be seeking a second term as mayor. His decision to step aside leaves council member at large Sharon Hurt, District 19 council member Freddie O'Connell, and economic development and affordable housing veteran Matt Wiltshire as the candidates currently in the mayoral race for August's election. Be sure to follow WPLN's coverage of this story as it develops on All Things Considered starting later this afternoon. Also today, Tennessee state lawmakers will hear two of the more controversial bills in this legislative session. The first bill would make it illegal for drag performances to take place in front of minors. The second will restrict all gender-affirming care for those under the age of 18. WPLN's political reporter, Blaze Ganey, will be attending both committee hearings today, and he joins us now. Hey, Blaze. How's it going? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? The same. Thank you for being here. Okay, so... You know, tell us where these bills came from. Who's behind them? Well, we're seeing bills like this really all over the country. Utah's governor just signed a bill on Sunday, or Saturday, sorry, that restricts minors from receiving gender-affirming care. That law went into effect immediately and is expected to be challenged in court by the ACLU of Utah. Mm. Um, but the idea for such a bill really was pushed to the forefront in October when conservative blogger Matt Walsh hosted a rally here in Nashville at the War Memorial Plaza, and it featured guests of Senator Marsha Blackburn, State Senate Leader Jack Johnson, and House Leader William Lamberth. So the answer to who's behind them is really Republicans all across the country. Mm. And this is only furthering their push of these culture war bills on social divisive issues. All right, so let's talk process. What exactly will happen in today's hearing? Well, first, the drag bill will be heard in front of the House Criminal Justice Subcommittee and later in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Meanwhile, the gender-affirming care ban will be heard in the House Health Subcommittee. These are the first committee stops for each of these bills, and it'll give lawmakers a chance to ask questions about the bill and give opponents and supporters a chance to voice you know, their opinions and concerns on the bill. Uh, we already know the ACLU plans to have several witnesses in attendance to voice their concerns. Okay, so with a Republican supermajority, do you expect the legislation to get amended in any way by Democrats? Not really. There's there's very slight chance of that happening, seeing as Democrats don't have enough people mm. to amend something on their own. They would need Republicans to join them in doing that. And also keep in mind that Vanderbilt Medical Center has already paused surgeries uh, at a request from Republican leaders before session even started, and they weren't performing many surgeries anyways. Um, the legislation would really be aimed at minors with gender dysphoria taking puberty blockers. Um, but as for amendments from Democrats, that's highly unlikely. Like I said already, they, they just don't have the numbers. Now, on the drag show ban, we heard from WPLN afternoon host Mariana Bacchiao on our show last week. She said this appears to be a broadening of Republican attacks on the LGBTQ community. Does this type of legislation have any enforcement mechanism? Well, let's put the enforcement to the side. As, as far as penalties for this, a, a person would be slapped with a misdemeanor for the first offense and after that a felony. So just that alone 
could be its own enforcement of a person being scared to do something because there are now penalties for it. Mm-hmm. But as for how it will be enforced, it's sort of hard to imagine, but it sounds like it'd just be left up to citizens telling on one another. So after these committee hearings, where do the bills go next? Well, they'll have more committee stops in the Senate. It'll likely be two more committee stops. And in the House, it'll be a few more because they have a a, sort of a different process. But after the committee stops, it'll go to a full chamber where it'll likely pass and be sent to the governor for his approval or disapproval. So has Governor Lee indicated if he supports either of these bills? Well, during that first flare up around the time when the rally was taking place, he did tweet in support of the gender affirming bill saying we should not allow permanent life altering decisions that hurt children and added that the General Assembly should end this practice in Tennessee. So that's pretty strong support there. As for the drag show bill, he hasn't said anything in support or against it, but it should be known he's never vetoed a bill before, and it's unlikely he will because lawmakers could override his veto. What about lawsuits? Well, I mentioned earlier that in Utah, the ACLU is challenging their bill that's similar to the gender affirming care bill here. And so I'd imagine that our chapter would, you know, basically do the same thing here. Also, in Arkansas, which was the first state to ban gender affirming care in 2021, they're still awaiting a judge to either let the bill go into effect or the law and let it go into effect or just stop it altogether and say that it's illegal. That's WPLN political reporter Blaze Ganey. Blaze, thanks for your reporting and good luck out there today. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll learn about our city's deep history with blues music and meet some of the folks working to keep it alive. Are you a fan of the blues? Where do you go see it played live? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Growing up, I remember listening to various albums with my folks as they wax poetic about seeing these venerable artists perform live. There was one genre in particular that got both of them to the edge of their seats, the blues. We would listen to Bessie Smith, John Lee Hooker, Billie Holiday, and Taj Mahal. He is my mother's favorite, while my father, played Bobby Blue Bland. In fact, whenever I was going through tough times, my dad would often use the blues as the codex to explain the hidden lessons in my teenage hardships. I ain't mad at him. For one, he was right most of the time. And two, I got to hear some timeless music. The blues is music that moves people to their core. My next guest has been so moved by this music. Ron Wynn is a writer, and just last weekend he received the 2023 Keeping the Blues Alive Award from the Blues Foundation. Ron, thank you for being here, and welcome back to This Uh, is Nashville. Always an honor, Cleo. Thank you for having me again. Really great to be here. So to start, congratulations to you. Tell me, how does it feel to be honored by this award? Well, I guess the the first thing is I'm glad they did it while I'm still alive, so I could appreciate it. Amen. But, but it is it is a, it's kind of like a culmination of a career. You know, I mean, you spend because it's an award given to non-performers specifically for advocacy and uh, efforts in preserving uh, the idiom. So, and it's and it's a global award. I mean, it's given to seven or eight people every year from around the world. 
this year there was one guy from Belgium. Uh, there was a woman from uh, Switzerland. Uh, there was a photographer from Poland. And, you know, the rest of us. So it, it was it was quite an honor, and I, I'm very humbled by it. So, you know, you got this award as a part of the International Blues Challenge, which it stretched over days, several right. days. Can you tell us more about it? Well, about the award or about the International Blues Challenge? About the International Blues Challenge. Okay, the what the International Blues Challenge does is it brings uh, performers from... Uh, both across the nation and around the world, and they have a competition. And then at the end of the competition, they pick a winner. And it's a chance to hear uh, different variations on the blues from everywhere. I mean, there were like uh, blues groups that didn't even speak English. I mean, they were performing mm -hmm. blues songs in their native language. And then you had, of course, uh, blues groups from across the country, too. So it's, it's quite an experience. It lets you know how universal the music is and how powerful it is for everybody, not just for Americans. Was there an international group that particularly stood out to you? Well, yes and no. I mean, let me put it this way. I really, as a, uh, as a, as a blues advocate, I'm not the world's greatest in terms of trying to say who's best and who's not. I just enjoy the music. Okay. So I, I pretty much enjoyed, uh, and I was only there for the last half, but uh, I really enjoyed what I heard. And uh, I guess I would just add this, that my son did not participate in the International Blues Challenge this year, but he has in the past. But he got to play on Bill Street Friday night. So that was like, for mm. me, the highlight of my, of my going there, even more so than getting the award, was uh, seeing my son playing on Bill Street. So, okay. Yeah. You know, here in Tennessee, you know, Memphis is well known for the blues, and Nashville better known for country, but that's not really an entirely accurate reflection of the music scene here. Tell me, you know, how is Nashville important to the blues historically? Well, I mean, Nashville is has been a vital black music center for, for decades. And one of the unfortunate things is uh, because, and I don't want to take anything away from the country music industry. I mean, it is very important. It makes a lot of money. But Nashville has always had great jazz, great blues, great gospel, R&B, soul. And for many, many years, there was a very a flourishing uh, black music community here. You had uh, clubs, you had record labels, you had artists, you had songwriters. I mean, the late Marion James used to say that, that Jefferson Street was Nashville's first music role, and that's true. At one time, it was that active, and unfortunately, until recently, that history has kind of gotten overlooked, and that, to me, is a great thing about the Night Train in Nashville uh, exhibit, is that it brings that history out to people who were unaware of it. Tell us a little bit more about the nice Night Train to Nashville exhibit. Well, uh, it, the original exhibit was in the Country Music uh, Hall of Fame, and, we, and it was compiled and curated by Michael Gray. And that's what Michael wanted to do, was to spotlight the history of Nashville's black music labels, black music artists. He wanted to focus on uh, jazz, blues, and just all of the heritage black artists. And so... He was able to gather, you know, just a, a, an amazing array photographs, recordings, uh, memorabilia, concert posters, the whole works. Mm -hmm. And that was presented in the uh, Night Train in Nashville original exhibit, which was in the uh, 
Country Music Hall of Fame, and now it's being revived as an online uh, exhibit. Mm-hmm. And uh, but while I'm talking, don't let me overlook uh, Lorenzo's uh, great museum, Jefferson Street Sound, because he's devoted his entire uh, career to doing the same thing in his museum on uh, Jefferson Street. He's got an enormous amount, an array of uh, the same thing, photographs, memorabilia, recordings, uh, posters, everything that lets you know just how important uh, Nashville was to the growth and the history of, of, of black music for decades. All right. Now, you know, it's a lesser known fact that B.B. King's recording career Got his start right here. His first single was released by the Nashville label Bullet, Bullet Records. Records. That's correct. Let's, yes. Let's take a listen. So in the blues, you know, there are not many names bigger than B.B. King. Ron, tell me, how significant is it that his first 45 was on a Nashville label? Well, to me, it's it should be much better known than it is, but it's enormously uh, significant. I mean, it launched the careers of one of the greatest artists in any idiom uh, in American popular music. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, you know... You, we mentioned the Night Train to Nashville exhibit that's moved on to an online exhibit. They also released vinyl, a, co- a compilation album um, that you wrote the liner notes for. And in it, you know, the exhibit, it explores the R&B scene from 1945 to 1970. In it, you write that as you were growing up in Knoxville, you would listen to the late night broadcast of WLAC, the blue station here in Nashville. You know, Take us back to those times and how important those broadcasts were for you. Well, it was vital for me because Knoxville didn't have any black music station until James Brown came in with WJB in the 60s. So all we heard in the daytime were uh, country and uh, top 40. So uh, I would stay up. and I mean, I, I got in trouble lots of time with my parents because I would stay up and I'd take the transistor radio and put the headphones in and listen to late night uh, WLAC, you just hope for a good night because <laughs> the signal will come in better in, on a clear night. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would, and of course the next morning I'd be so sleepy because I'd, I'd be staying up all night listening to uh, various WLAC shows. But that was my introduction into uh, blues, gospel, soul music was through WLAC. Talk about the sacrifices we make for the things we love. (laughs) How were you able to get a hold of the music you were hearing on the radio? Well, actually, uh, 
Ernie's and Randy's, uh, they did mail order. They, they were like before, long before there was this thing as Amazon. Ernie's and Randy's used to do mail order, and uh, they come on the radio and they'd say they they give an address that you could write. And uh, I, I'm getting old now. I can't remember how much it was for these. They'd have these packages, seven forty fives for. I can't remember what it was. Some unreal price, mm-hmm. and you could order it. That way. That was one way I got it. And then there was a uh, black-owned record shop uh, downtown in uh, Knoxville, like the only black-owned record shop in in Knoxville. And I would buy records there, too. Okay. Well, what you're talking about with the mail order reminds me. In my day of the Columbia House, you can get 10 CDs mm-hmm. for 10 cents. Uh, took advantage of that many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, tell me, you know, the, to this day, Nashville is like the perfect place to play music. And it's the perfect place for the touring circuit. What were some of the clubs where blues artists would perform in town in its heyday? Okay, now let me say I'm telling you what I've uh, researched, okay? Mm -hmm. Because my family left Nashville when I was three years old, so I didn't grow up in Nashville, okay? But I heard about places like uh, the Club Baron and uh, the New Era and uh, many of these other places, in fact, Eddie James made Eddie James Rocks a House at, it was either the New, the New Era. Era or the Main Era, one of those yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We did a show on it earlier oh, yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, I was not, because, okay, I was born in 52, so I was not old enough to be able to come down here. But I, I my parents had friends who every weekend, they load up in the car and they, Come down to Nashville, go down to Jefferson to the clubs and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about the history of the blues in our city. Now, my next guest can tell us more about some of the venues that used to be hot back in the day because he used to be at some of those shows. Mike Turney is a blues musician, and he joins us now. Papa Turney. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me today. We really Thank appreciate you, it. So I understand in your youth, you spent a lot of time on Jefferson Street. How did you get into that scene? You know what? I uh, I originally started playing music uh, with gospel quartets. And uh, some of the older gentlemen that I played with, they flipped the script and started playing the uh, in some of the clubs and the top 40 bands around town. And... Um, and I was invited to start playing with some of these guys, some of these older guys. As a matter of fact, um, I remember a time at the Elks Lodge uh, on Jefferson Street where I was young enough playing that when I wasn't playing and we took a break, I had to leave the club. Okay. You know, because you couldn't be in the club and be underage unless you were on stage playing music, you know. Well, what happened there? So when you guys are taking a little set break, where would you go? Well, you know, it wasn't really a good thing because back then, it, you know, the guy had to, you had to leave the club, but you were out back, <laughs> out back, <laughs> probably drinking wine. With, <laughs> not that I drunk any wine. That's right. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. But that's kind of usually what happened. Yeah. Where was your favorite place to see a show? You know what, man? That was... Um, uh, and Ron probably recognizes the name, Illis Muhammad, mm-hmm. that had a, a club called the Cafe Unique in North Nashville on Batavia Street. And um, when you would walk into Muhammad's club, there was a giant oak bar. Uh, there were chandeliers. Uh, he was a, uh, 
uh, a wonderful keyboard player, Hammond organ, mm -hmm. and an upright bass player. And you you never knew what he he did a lot of jazz, mm -hmm. but a lot of blues also. And he was a teacher, and that was one of my favorite places to go because when you walked in, it's like you were swept back in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah like you were maybe in New York at the Blue Note or, or some club there. It was an awesome place. That, I did not know that. I'm a huge jazz fan, and Idris mm -hmm. Muhammad is one of my favorites. That's, mm -hmm. that's really cool. You know, because, you know, to me, it's so cool. It sounds like the scene was, to borrow a phrase from the kids today, the scene was fire. It was, it was fire. It was. It was. Give me an excitement of this. these. Give me a sense of the excitement on Jefferson Street at that time. We were... We were in a, a club one night called Me and Muhammad, and I had a cousin named Raymond Gooch that was a bass player, and he's the one that introduced me to Muhammad. And we were in, I think it was the Black Diamond Club one night, and a keyboard player came in. You know, it was raining, um, cold, kind of dreary night, and wasn't a whole lot of people in the place, but... A guy ushered this keyboard player in, had on a trench coat. It was like something out of a movie. Had mm -hmm. on a trench coat, and he come in and sits down to this Fender Rose piano and just killed the whole room. Wow. I'm talking about just killed the whole room. And um, Muhammad knew who he was, and he played about two songs. Uh, drunk him a, a, a shot and then got up and left. And to this day, I don't know who it was. What? I don't know who it was, but it was an absolute, uh, one of the most magical experiences I've ever experienced. You mm. know? Yeah, it was It was something. You got me on the edge of my seat waiting for the name to drop. <laughs> I didn't, I, you know what? I don't know. You know, yeah, Muhammad like passed. Sounds like newborn. But, it might have been. Yeah. Muhammad passed a couple of, well, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we never got to talk about that night, really. You, you, know, you, know, you mentioned that you were playing in bands on Jefferson Street. Mm -hmm. What instrument did you play, and who did you play with? Well, you know, we had—I played in top 40 bands, you know, and, okay. and uh, you know, the top 40 bands, then you'd have crazy names. I think the name of one of the bands was Blue Suede. Okay. Don't ask me why. <laughs> it might have been because of some of the stacked shoes we had on and uh, the puff sleeve shirts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, so that was— you know, we just played around in, in the different clubs. And and back then you made—we had nine members in one of those bands. And, I, you know, the money now—you know, I remember one one show we did at the Elks Lodge, and I think we made $100 a piece. Wow. Back then, you know. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that was almost unheard of, but it wasn't— that wasn't the usual thing that happened. Okay, you know, it just it just was not. This was a this was a private thing, and the guy paid well. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. well, well, who were some of the really more important local figures in the blues at the time? You know, there was Cassie Gardner. Um, there was uh, Mr. Watkins. That was a, I think he was a local music teacher also, and he played the bass guitar with the Crusaders. Oh, wow. I think here and there. Am I right, Ron? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With yeah. the Crusaders. Mm -hmm. And um, and you just never knew, you know, who these guys, 
who, who these guys were. They were all fabulous musicians and, and, and real uh, artists of the craft, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, another one of the giants of the blues here in Nashville is the late, you know, Marion James. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to a bit of the song that is on the Night Train to Nashville compilation. Here is That's My Man. Mm-hmm. I fix your meals every day. I serve steaming hot. You stay like an ice cube. You keep me on the spot. That's my man. That's my man. Oh, but that's my man. I can see a room packed full of people getting sweaty dancing to that groove. That that's nice. Ron, tell me how how well known was Marion James outside of Nashville? Oh, well, that, this is I guess the shame of it is she was much better known outside of Nashville than she was here. Hmm. I mean, you go to Chicago, you go to New York, you go to L.A., and it, people know who Marion James was. Whereas here, I mean, other than the fact that Jimi Hendrix was in her band, that's pretty much. All the people knew about her here. A lot of people that did not know the history of the music knew about her. What role did she play in cultivating the blues community here? Oh, I mean, she was... I mean, I'm... As a non-performer, okay, I, I'm just speaking from what I saw from the outside in. But she cultivated it. She nourished it. I mean, she had this event every year, the... Uh, I forget the name of the concert. What was that, that was called? But it was a, a a fundraising event every year. She did for over thirty years, raising money for blues and R and B musicians, and uh, and she was a mentor to many many uh, young musicians. What does that tell you? That here we have this nationally known artist, renowned, yet here in Nashville, Music City, people don't know of. Her musical prowess and her greatness. What does that say to you? Well, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to bring, I guess, a a, a a downer note or a negative note, but uh, there has been an imbalance of uh, coverage and attention and exposure dating back decades when you're talking about Music City and Nashville. All right, black musicians, blues musicians, jazz musicians, they have never gotten the kind of exposure that they deserve. Mm. And one of the things I've tried to do since I've been here is uh, try to combat that as much as possible. Now, of course, <laughs> I'm not an editor, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not an assignment editor. I, I'm not a section editor. So I can't say what goes where. All I can do is pitch stuff and try and get it in. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in many instances, and it's better today than it was when I first got here. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm fortunate to have a couple of platforms where when I suggest things, I can get them in, all right? But the paper of record here uh, and many of the TV stations here uh, just do not give black musicians in general and blues musicians specifically the kind of exposure and attention that uh, they deserve. And I mean, I'm not saying anything I haven't said to them mm-hmm. to their faces. So you know, I mean, that's I'm not. That's this is no secret what I what I'm saying yeah. here. You know? So so what can we do to ensure that not only their legacy is preserved, but blues itself can thrive here in Nashville? All right. Well, like this this gentleman sitting right here next to me. Okay, everybody should know about his place. Okay, he's helping to preserve the legacy. Okay, he ought to have just as much of a form as uh, the folks on Second Avenue and uh, Kid Rock and all these other people get, but he hasn't gotten it. Thank you, Ron. That is writer Ron Wynn, a 2023 recipient of the Keeping the Blues Alive Award. Ron, thank you for coming on to the show, and thank you for everything that you've been doing. Oh, thank you for having me, and it's... uh, such a pleasure that you're on the air here because I can sure remember a time when this wouldn't have happened. So I, I'm just so thrilled to, to that you're here and I'm thrilled to be on the air with you. Well, it's an honor to be here with you, sir. Mike Papa Turney is going to stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll take you out to hear some live blues and explore what the blues scene in our city looks like now. Join the conversation and tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. We're talking this hour about the blues. As we heard before the break, Nashville has been home to important blues artists for decades. And as our city is a place where musicians have long come to play and record. Now there's really only one place in town that you can count on for the blues pretty much every day. Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Club down in Printer's Alley. It's one of those clubs where by the time you go through the front door, you're more or less on the dance floor. The stage is just right there. It's small, dark, and divey, what you might call the perfect kind of atmosphere for the blues. Over the weekend, our senior producer, Steve Farouche, paid a visit. As you walk in, straight ahead over the stage, There's a digital clock that says it's January 28th, 2002. But hey, if you're looking for the latest, trendiest music, you wouldn't be here in the first place. I got a question. How many blues lovers we got in the house? That is not enough. If not, you are in the wrong place. How many blues lovers we got in the house? I love my blues. That's singer and guitarist Ping Rose, who's got his band The Antiheroes with him tonight. And they are cooking. People are throwing wadded up bills from the balcony, and some of them actually land on the stage. But folks walking by are pretty good about making sure all the money makes it into the tip jar. 
This is downtown Nashville, so a lot of the blues lovers in the house tonight are tourists. Lamont Johnson is in town from Alabama. He's loved the blues for just about as long as he can remember. Oh, since I was about knee high. My mother played blues all the time in the house. B.B. King, Howlin' Wolf. I'm originally from Chicago, so um, it was a lot of blues. He's been to this club a few times on his own, but it's his wife Patricia's first time. I love it. It's, um, all of Nashville kind of gives a New Orleans kind of feel, uh, but this more so, this club, yeah. So, New Orleans, Chicago. I mean, Austin is, is more of a blues town, certainly more of a blues town. That's Big Monty. He just stepped off stage after a marathon set heavy on blues rock and Johnny Winter slide guitar. Even here in the heart of Nashville, it's hard not to end up talking about those other places that are synonymous with the blues. Memphis has a real blues scene. I mean, it's a really great blues scene. Yes, Memphis is to blues as Nashville is to songs about jeans. Well, I don't know that there's, that, that there's a big blues scene, but there's some great blues players here. But the music scene here is fantastic. Just every kind of music. I mean, metal to like the most chicken-picking country. You, you got everything right here. Tonight, Ping Rose is playing everything from the Drifters to Prince. But there might not be a bigger blues fan in the house than him. If you see my baby, tell I say Well, maybe the blues scene in Nashville isn't as big as it is in other places, but you can't have a great scene without great players. And as you can hear, that's not a problem in Music City. We're here to talk more about the blues scene here in Music City. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Chantel Black is a musician and the leader of Chantel and the Juke Joint Band. She is joined by fellow musician Andy Talamantes, better known as Andy T. Chantel, Andy, thank you for being here and welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's really great to have you both. And, you know, Andy, tell me, like, in order to compete at the International Blues Challenge that we heard about before the break, you need to be sponsored by a local blues society. You started one back in the day. Can you tell us how the Nashville Blues Society came to be? Well, my wife and I moved to town, and we were, had been trying to get hold of the people at the former Music City Blues Society, and not having any luck, and we found out that it was pretty much defunct, that it, it had dissolved. So we thought, well, what better way to connect with people than to start the Blues Society? So we, we uh, contacted some of the former, former members of that society and, and met a few other people and pulled together and you know, did all the paperwork and started, mm -hmm. our, started our Blues Society up. Can you tell me what the scene was like at that time? Um, there was a blues scene, but it was kind of fragmented. You, you, unless you knew, unless you, I guess unless you'd been here for five years or something, you wouldn't know where everything was. Mm -hmm. You know what clubs had blues. You know the the you know the the scene, the local paper. Uh, it had some information, but not not you know not enough to really tie everything together. Was so it, 
Keep going. Um, so we put together a website and listed all the local jams. And we had, one time we had about 12 jams going on in town. Okay. And, you know, so the Blue Society helped all that along. Was there one person who was particularly in the know about everything? Uh, actually, uh, Ted Drozdowski was very helpful. Um, he's a, a local musician. He does uh, sort of hill country blues. Mm-hmm. He has a band. And he also writes for, uh, I think, Premier Guitar, uh, some of the other magazines. He's a, he's a journalist as well. And he was, he was instrumental, really. Now, you also played with the legendary Nick Nixon. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Oh, I, I love Nick. Mm. Um, uh, Nick passed away a few years ago, you know, sadly. But, uh, yeah, so we, we started up a, a blues jam. I think it was about 2010. And for the Blues Society. And it was we have, are in a place called Jefferson Showplace over on Jefferson Street. And uh, Nick walked in. He had his acoustic guitar, and I didn't know who he was. And I put him up with some people, you know, just... He was the next on the list. I put him up. And my friend and I were sitting in the back of the club, and he opened his mouth to sing. And we were like, oh, my, this, this guy is something. He's great. Um, so we started. He liked my playing, too. We kind of struck up a friendship. He had me doing a few gigs here and there. He used to have a kind of a regular gig at the Nashville airport, you know, where they have the bands playing when people show up from, you know, mm-hmm. trips or whatever. Um Anyway, um, then one day uh, I told him, I said, look, I, I started an album here a few years ago with a, with a singer that didn't work out. You know, he wasn't, was, wasn't the right guy. And I said, would you like to come help me finish it? And he says, well, where do you want to go with this? I said, I don't know. Let's see where it takes us. And okay. it, it took us to three different album deals and traveling and touring all over the country for about five years. So. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I like that, just from like a chance meeting of him just coming into one of the jam sessions. Oh, when I saw him, I was like, I got to do something with this guy. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Oh. Now, tell me, what's the status of the Blue Society today? Um, the National Blue Society doesn't exist at this point. Um, we, we got to the point where uh, my, my wife's a consultant. She was traveling all the time. And, uh, you know, I was out on the road with the band, you know, half the year anyway, and we just couldn't keep up with the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And we, we had some other friends, like, like Ted was busy touring as well. And, you know, it's just, it's, everybody got busy and it was hard to find people to, you know, to pay attention to the business full time. It's, it's like running a business. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's a lot of yeah, work. memberships and membership cards, you know, events to plan. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's worthwhile, but it's a lot of work. Well, let's hopefully some young person will take up the mantle. Now, Chantel, we just heard, you know, that our local blues society is now defunct. Let me ask you, how concerned should I be about the blues in Nashville? You shouldn't be concerned at all. The, be- the blues is alive and kicking in Nashville. Yes, it is. It, it's, it's one of the main musics that's, to me, that's keeping it interesting. You know, you have your, um, of course, your country music. Nashville is known for country music. But Nashville is also known for blues music and for having those artists out there that are writing the songs. You may not see them as much because they're traveling, you know, doing festivals. That's the level I'm trying to get to, to where you're traveling and spreading the blues all around. But you shouldn't be concerned at all. No, I'm not. Okay, so tell me why the, the blues is keeping it interesting here in Nashville. Because you can get so much from the blues. Um, 
even though it's you can you you can get Christian music out of blues, you can get rock out of blues, you can get country out of blues. Everything can come from the blues. It's all sending the same message: hard love, light hearts. Mm. So I think that um, here in Nashville, we have a lot of jams that are really supporting the blues genre. We have a lot of artists out there that are still writing the blues, even though they may be writing other m- music as well to keep the work going. The blues is really thriving, especially in the little hole in the walls. You got to get to the little small hole in the walls. You may not see a big blues concert being held at the municipal, maybe once a year mm-hmm. or the Bridgestone, but you hit those small places like Pop Attorneys. Twin Kegs, Heroes Den. You can find it. Mm. You can find it. Now, you've been playing for 20 years in town. Yes. And you you got a good sense of the community, the musicians, and the venues that remain. You know, what is it about the blues community that makes Nashville special? It's like a tribe. It's um, your... They take you in, and and once they know that you are a blues artist and that you are serious about it, then they become serious about you. It's so much support. Um, People are always willing to help you get your music done. They're always willing to sit in on your project. So it's, it's a small community of support. We know that blues artists don't have a lot of money, a lot of fun sometimes. So you could say that we do a lot of things for one another pro bono, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. just because we love the blues and we do want to keep it alive. Andy, you see you nodding your head. Well, it's like being part of a club. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. If you go to some of the the Blues Foundation uh, that's based in Memphis, if you go to some of their events like the IBC that Ron was talking about or the Blues Music Awards, all the musicians, all the blues musicians come. It's like Mecca. Mm. And you see people you don't see all the time. You can see all your favorite blues artists hanging out there, just hanging out in the lobby. Nobody runs around with any kind of entourage or, you know, protection or security or anything like that. It's just everybody just hangs out and puts throws their arms around each other. It's just love. People mm-hmm. coming as they are. And you don't have to be perfect in the blues. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be perfect at all. You can... Be yourself. Be comfortable. If something, if you feel insecure about something, once you get into that tribe, all of those insecurities melt away. Now you're from Memphis, right? I'm from down by Memphis. I'm from Dyersburg. Okay, you're from yes. Dyersburg. Dyersburg. So tell me why why pursue a career, a blues career here in Nashville? Well, I came to Nashville to go to college at TSU. I was a cheerleader at TSU. Word. You know, I stayed in Nashville once I finished, and I I fell in love with the blues. I fell in love with the blues. I can remember the day. I can remember what the weather was like. I bought a $5 tape at the BP up the street from TSU for $5, and it was Down Home Blues Volume something. Uh And it had Coco Taylor on there. Oh, Denise LaSalle. It had all the greats on there. And when I heard her grunt... And holler, I was like, that's who I am mm. as a vocalist. <laughs> it, it it all made sense. Yeah. It just made sense. That's great. I had been doing all West choir, you know, we, you know, learning the Latin songs and the German songs. You know, I was trained, but when I heard the blues, I knew that's where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right there. How did it feel when you pursued that? Oh, it it just 
I was telling Andy, I was like, once I got into the jam, um, the jam venue, Carol Lippman, she she brought me, she the one kind of introduced me to the blues jam scene. Once I got in there and I saw the love for what I was doing, I was just I was just captivated from then. Mm. Now, these these jam sessions are the thing of legend, I've heard. And, you know, I've just doing research for this show. The jam sessions are the things where the magic really happens. Now, blues musician Mike Turney is still with us. Mike, in addition to being a player, you're also the owner of Papa mm -hmm. Turney's right. Barbecue, where you host regular blues jams. Tell us what those are like. Man, it's, you know, what what I always say that, and I like to piggyback on about the uh, the uh, the Blues Foundation. There's a new foundation being established here. It's a Blues and Roots Alliance, uh, and it's going to do great things for the blues community. It always had. They were at the IBCs uh, last week, okay. and they did personal interviews with a lot of the artists, and they they really got some outstanding things coming up that they're going to be doing in Nashville. Yeah, so. Um, and your question again. The jam sessions. The Tell jam us about sessions. the jam sessions oh at Papa Turney's Barbecue. What I always say, we can have car crashes, <laughs> we can have train wrecks, but it can't be can't be no plane crashes, you know. So some some nights there's no better music played anywhere in the world mm. than at some of these jams. That's why what we're doing, we're uh live streaming and recording every jam session that's played at Papa Turney's now. Um, you have a sign-up sheet. You know, we try our best to put up players that complement one another. You know, but the beauty is that usually um, in the different sets, you'll have uh, a guitar player, a bass player, a drummer, keyboard player, maybe a singer that's playing songs they never heard before, mm. playing with people they never met. And to me, that's the epitome that makes blues music so spontaneous and and so special you know and and that's the that's the exciting thing about about a jam session how many people are signing up man we we've been on the roll lately we had this past saturday we had 21 players i think wow in the restaurant the saturday before that um one of the local guys uh Mr. Bill Linky, a wonderful keyboard player, it was his birthday. He didn't per se have the birthday party there, but a lot of people came out um, as a prelude to his actual birthday. And we had something like 26 people mm. sign up that night to play. So and they came to me about, because we usually close about 10 o'clock, and they came to me about 9.30 and said, well, Mike, do we need to? I said, look, we're going to stay open to everybody plays. Awesome. That's great. So, and that's <laughs> that's our motto. Will anybody signs up on that list, they're going to get to play that night. Andy, what does that tell you about the blues in Nashville that so many people are lining up to play and that Mike accommodates them and stays open late so they can have that time on stage? That's great because I I, I think that the, you know, the Nashville Blues Blues Society uh, kind of kick-started the scene. Kind of gathered everybody together. Uh, Chantel mentioned Kara Lipman. After after I stopped running my jam, Kara uh, started up a jam at a, at, a, at a venue. I can't remember the name of it, but at a couple different venues. She kind of kept it going. Now Chantel's keeping it going. 
Michael over here has got his thing going on, and it's great. I, I've been there. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, i I got to put a plug in for, for Pop Attorneys. you got to go there. It's great. It's just a fun scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it tells me that, that things are going well and going strong. You know, during COVID, everything just kind of collapsed. So you had about at least two years where nothing was going on pretty much. And it's it's really picking back up again, and that's it is. I, I'm really happy for that. All right now, I wonder if any of you have your eyes or ears on young blues musicians who are kind of looking to carry the torch. Chantel, do you know of anybody? Oh yes, honey. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, <laughs> there was this young man that came out to my jam mm-hmm. week before last, and his name is Danny Garwood. You can look him up at Danny Gar- Danny Guitar Wood at iCloud.com. He's 14 years old. Wow. He appeared in Memphis this past weekend for the IBCs as well. He has his own music. And killed it. He yeah. plays a Gibson ES. I work for Gibson, so I'm a big Gibson fan. He plays a Gibson ES. It's almost bigger than he is. This is a young man that we need to be on the lookout for. And he's young in the business. His parents are very supportive. Mm-hmm. They travel with him. And he's he's an awesome young man. And he's, I'm like, how did this old soul, I don't know where it comes from, but he sings the blues like he's been here before. Mm-hmm. So he is someone to look out for. I get a, at my jam at Twin Kegs, we allow children to come in and sign up. So we have um, young drummers to come in. We have young vocalists that come in. Mm -hmm. So we've been able to kind of nurture them a little bit and they've become real comfortable coming out and jamming with us. Keeping the next generation alive. That is blues musician Chantel, Chantel Black, leader of Chantel and the Juke Joint Band. She was joined by Andy, Andy T. Talamantes and Mike Pop attorney of Papa Mike's Barbecue. I want to thank you all for coming on to the show and thanks for keeping the blues going. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Kathy Ballmer. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>